I think you could look at this message today as a bit of preventive medicine. How many of you believe in preventive medicine? And so as, as I come, I'm, I'm aware of the time and the moment we're in. I mean, I love to hear these the testimonies. How many of you appreciated the testimonies of the interns here? You know, we, we saw a lot of fun and kids stuff and some stuff that we did as kids and some stuff we never would have done, but they're doing it and it's great. It's fine to watch them do it. Uh, but then you begin to hear how God did something in their life. And, and oftentimes camps are great because people, young and old, become ignited with a fresh passion in life for Jesus Christ. They get in that locked away atmosphere. And um, I think it is tremendous. I've watched my own children, and incidentally, I am honored today to have one of my favorite traveling compadres with me, my grandson, Jack. Uh, Jack, why don't you just stand up for a moment that they can see this great young man of God. And he's a great guy. We're dear friends, as well as family. How many of you know it's good to be friends with your family? Yeah, okay, we won't go into that one. That's a different thought. But he's my great companion. He's part of the number one club. I was the firstborn of three boys. Uh, my, my oldest son and then my oldest grandson, we have this thing we call the number one club in our family, so whatever. But, uh, you know, it's summertime, and I know in Florida sometimes it's hard to differentiate between the seasons here. Uh, I lived in Arizona for 16 years, so man, I know what it's like to be hot. My statement down there was, it's better to burn in this life than the next. When it's 118 degrees, but uh, I mean, I, you know what caught my attention? How many of you are from the Northeast, New York, New Jersey, you know, and you'll still own up to it and acknowledge it? I'm from the Jersey Shore, uh, but I read the New York Post online periodically just simply because they give great coverage to my favorite baseball team from the Bronx. But they had a headline in even May that caught my attention. It said, this summer is going to be as hot as... Only a New York paper would do that. And I began to think about summertime. And uh, it's really a season that we are geared towards from the beginning of our life, going to kindergarten. Our world in our life focuses around the summer break and the summer vacation doesn't. I mean, you can't wait. And then when you become an adult, sometimes, you know, uh, we begin to think along vacation time. School is out. Uh, we go to the mountains. You go to grandma's house. You travel, family reunions, uh, vacation time, camps. Um, we can't wait for summer season to get here. Like I said, I know Florida, there's a little change there, but Really, the title for my message this morning may not make sense at the end of June in Florida, but it's simply, Turn Up the Heat. Now, I know you think I'm a little crazy, but that's all right. I'm from New Jersey. We are crazy. But there's another type of temperature that I really want to look at here today. It's something of a phenomenon. 
because what it, it's related and linked to seasonal change. I've noticed when the season changes to summer, sometimes spiritual temperatures begin to lower. I can't figure it out, but it happens that way. And I want to look at the book of Revelation with you for just a moment here today. And uh, chapter 3, verses 14 to 16. I'm just going to jump right to it. The angel, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. He says, I know all the things you do. How many of you know Jesus knows everything we do? Oops. He said, I know all the things you do. You're neither hot or cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you're like lukewarm water, neither hot or cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Ah, hot or cold, is there a choice? Sure there is. This particular letter to the Laodicean church reveals a condition, a temperature reading of our spiritual life that often becomes ours during our vacation or break or holiday time. It's neither hot or cold, but in the middle. In reading the New Testament, I've made some discoveries that have led me to draw some conclusions. So I'm going, as a young child, I wanted to be a lawyer, but I became a lawbreaker (laughs) when I was arrested in the largest narcotics bust in the history of New Jersey up until that time. Well, that shot my, well, at least in those days, shot my desire to be a lawyer out the window. But I'm going to present some evidence this morning that has led me to draw some conclusions, just like a lawyer presenting his case. Uh, How many of you know that my first body of evidence, it's always good to examine the beginnings and the origins of something. Today, that's why uh, Ancestry.com is so important. And you see all of these television shows, you know, who do you think you are? And they trace you back to almost prehistoric age. And I don't never want to shake my family tree because I know there's a few funky apples up there with a few worms still hanging from decades and generations back. All right. But when you buy a building, you look at the foundation now, don't you? Our family, you go back as we've talked about to genealogy, family trees, relationships. When pastor would do counseling in marriages, you always look back to the beginning of a relationship to see Hey, where is there an issue evolving? As we look to the beginnings of the church of Jesus Christ and even Christianity, we've got to go back to its early historical records. Acts chapter 2 is a great place to begin. We look at that incredible day, the very first church service, the day of Pentecost. Folks, That was crazy that day. I mean, a bunch of folk gathered in the upper room and they had tongues of fire on their head. Can you imagine coming in here and seeing everybody with flames on their head? I mean, we saw a few flames on the screen. But man, you, Steve, you got flames on your head. And everybody around you go, whoa. Then they all start speaking 
in a language they never took a course on in school. The theologians call it glossolalia. We call it tongues. All of a sudden, man, wow, there were supernatural occurrences. There were miracles taking place. There was new birth, people coming in. The very first church service, 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus Christ. That kind of sets a pattern for the future. Multiplication. There was fellowship. There was communion. Man, look, I mean, it, it, it was sweet. You know, and, and if you had a need and I can meet it, no big deal. We just took care of it. That was the family sense that was evolving. Now, it certainly wasn't boring either. I mean, there was persecution against the early church. There was conflict amongst the apostles. A couple of the guys butted heads, didn't get along. Kind of like a Baptist deacons meeting. Of course, there was Ananias and Sapphira. Anyone remember this story? That's a pretty wild story. Husband Ananias comes in, give his offering, and he said, I sold a piece of property, did you? Yeah, well, apostle said, well, how much you... How much you sell it for? He gave him a price. They said, are you sure, son? Yes. He's lying. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost hit him. Bang. Knocked him out. Killed him. So then his wife comes in. And she comes in and to give. And they said, hi. Hey, uh, hello, Sister Sapphira. You and your husband sold a piece of property, didn't you? Yes, we did. How much did you sell it for? She gave him the lying price. And they said, uh, sweetheart, the people, the, the feet of the men that just carried out your husband's body are coming after you now. Bang! I mean, look, it wasn't boring in church and the offerings went up. That's for sure. But I mean, the early church was a place of purpose and meaning and power. Wow. When you look back at the beginning, wow. Now, there's the second body of evidence that have helped me draw a conclusion. And this second body of evidence are scripture passages describing aspects of a believer's life. Please note carefully the words of scripture. Romans 12, 11 says this, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Jeremiah 20, verse 9, then I said, I will not make mention of him. I'm not going to talk about the Lord anymore is in essence what he was saying, not, nor speak anymore in his name, but his word is in my heart. It's burning like a fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. John 2, I just, how many of you love the Bible? I'm just going to keep quoting the Bible for a few moments, if that's okay with you. Pastor Brian, can I use the Bible here today? Thank you, sir. I knew that that would be okay. John 2, 17. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. I can't wait to get to church. I'm going to get there. Yeah, get out of the way. I'm going to church. I'm not even going to stop at Starbucks. I want to get to the house of God. I want to be a part. I want to bless. 
Luke 24, 32. It just took place after Jesus had risen from the dead and the disciples were talking to one another. And a guy comes up and starts to talk to them. They're not quite sure. They don't recognize him immediately. And after he leaves them, they look at each other and they say, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? One more verse, Luke 12, 49. Jesus said, I came to send fire on the earth and now I wish it were already kindled. You see, nowhere in scripture, my friend, do I get a picture of a once a week convenience-centered dalliance of a gathering that applies a little salve to a soiled conscience and is sliced and diced and presented in such a palatable manner that it, all you do is feel a little bit okay. This kind of religion fits neatly in our purse or our pocket, and we can pull it out when we need it and put it back in our purse or a pocket. It never emphasizes reading the word of God, being a part of a local body, and spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, by this evidence, I've come to the conclusion that Christianity was never meant to be lived at any other temperature but hot. Not cold, not lukewarm, but hot. Not just hot, but red hot, boiling. 212 degrees, no matter what time of year it is. To illustrate this, please consider with me one of the greatest and most needful elements in the natural of our life. Water. Water is good and useful and essential to our lives at any temperature. How many of you like iced tea? Absolutely. Hey, look, the other day I was in North Carolina and I saw something I'd never seen before. They, have, they serve, you know, a lot of churches have coffee pots in the lobby and coffee stand. Well, they have sweet iced tea served in the lobby of the church. I've never seen that in my years of, of ministering all over the place. I thought that was terrific. Iced tea, ice helps preserve our food. Ice, air conditioning. How many of you thank God for air conditioning? Amen. I bless the man every day that invented air conditioning. And then we have it in our cars too. Praise the Lord. Say, I remember as a child, oh my goodness, I have to say this, that when we got the first, my father got the first air conditioner in his car, it's a big under the dashboard unit that hurt your knees. Some of you remember that. Two-thirds of the earth is water. About 65% of our body is made up of water. You can live longer without food than you can water. Water is vital to our sustenance. We drink it. We take baths. How many of you are glad we can take a bath? Hallelujah. Or a shower. Praise the Lord. We can tell those who aren't glad. We water our lawns when they let us. We wash our dishes, our cars. We have a lot of fun in it. You can tell by the color of my face. I had a little fun in the sun yesterday. 
It's so useful in any temperature. Water has so many forms and is useful. But the hotter water gets, the more powerful and more dangerous it becomes. When it boils and turns to steam, it can become a force penetrating and dominating an entire area. It can cause hurt and pain and damage and take your life. I believe our lives with Jesus Christ are lived best at maximum peak and purpose. When we've turned up the heat to 212, we are walking with Jesus at the boiling point. During summer months and all year round, for that matter, let's purpose to stay tuned up and turned up at the boiling point walking with God. Jesus gives us a little further understanding of this in Revelation 2, verses 1 to 7. Permit me to read these to you. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience. You cannot bear those who are evil, and you've tested those who say they're apostles, and they aren't, and have found them liars. He's saying, you've done a lot of good stuff. And you've persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake and haven't become weary. You just keep on going. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you've lost your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I'll come quickly. Remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have. Jesus is still being encouraging and yet upbraiding. He said that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. They were a a bad bunch. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life. You see, this particularly becomes relevant I've discovered, like I said, I'm, I'm Jewish by birth. I'm raised in New Jersey. I was a heroin addict, don't have a state. That tells you some important facts. Number one, I'm an unreached people group all by myself. I'm as heathen as the day is long in my background. Had no idea what Christianity is. My father and I mocked Christian radio. And so... I get saved. I give my life to Jesus. I've been in church a while. I learned how to do church. It's all right. I've been around it for a while. Or maybe you grow up in it. And then we begin to engage and participate in a growing, insidious culture of compromise. We never wanted to go there, we never imagined we would. We just kind of slid that direction. It's easy to do. Can you remember when you first encountered Jesus? That moment, that time, that season, that era, when you were beginning a living relationship with Jesus Christ. It was Jesus in the morning, Jesus at noon, and Jesus at supper time. It was 24-7, round the clock. You were just, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. To, I won't sing anymore because I could cause you to have a bad attitude. 
But then it became a religious routine. You see, my friend, being a Christian, a Christ follower, is not simply a nice, sanitized, religious routine of life, but a living relationship with a living God filled with power, meaning, purpose, and life. Now, see, I'm a very practical preacher. I have preached for over 45 years by the grace of God. Started when I was two and a half, not quite a little older. But I've learned something. I like to bring a message home to where we live. If we're going to turn up the heat, how do we find the dial? How do we begin to flip the switch? to red hot and boiling in our walk with Jesus Christ. There's six turns to the dial. Are you ready? Number one, get and keep your focus. Colossians 3.2 tells us this. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, Seek ye First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all his stuff, all his things will be added unto you. I know we got to deal with stuff in life. The other day I'm away from home and my wife calls me and says, our clothes dryer just died. Man, that's huge. I don't know about you, but my washing machine rolls. And there's only so much you can hang up. Got to deal with stuff. How many of you got stuff in life? Stuff happens. But seek ye first God. Keep your focus on Jesus Christ no matter what time of life it is. Secondly, get rid of non-flammable material, stuff that won't burn. That, present, that prevents you from getting fired up. It's also called sin. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, you know in the Bible, whenever it says therefore, you need to look and see what it's there for. It's a good way to read the Bible. I learned that in Bible college. Therefore, we also, in other words, hey, us here at Grace Chapel today, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, there's a whole host and a half of people who've been there and done that before we even were thought of. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, that thing that we just keep fooling with. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Keep your focus. Get rid of non-flammable material if you want to turn up the heat. Thirdly, continue. Oh, let me read Luke 24, 32 again. We just... Read it a few moments ago. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Have you ever 
just in a time of prayer or reading the word, just something just kind of lights up in your heart a little bit. That you take that time. You make that time. You unplug and plug in with Jesus for a little while. You commune. You, not only do you talk to him, but you listen for him. I've told many a young man and woman lately, I said, look, yes, I, I preach and I speak all over the place, but I get up early in the morning and I open my Bible and I'm not looking for a sermon. I just let the word of God comb through my soul in my readings, looking for some internal dandruff to get rid of or some other stuff or to encourage me or to give me a little light in an area that I'm looking for. The, hey, the word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Fourthly, this leads me right into it. Increase more flammable material in the word of God into your life. Again, Jeremiah 20, verse 9. I will not make mention of him nor speak of his name anymore, but his word was in my heart burning like a fire. No, you, you can't get on fire if you don't have any flammable material. Let me just say something. Music isn't enough. Worship isn't enough. When I'm facing, we've just, in my family, just said, well, my wife has gone through breast cancer treatments for the last year and just finished a year of treatments three weeks ago. Music was good, but not enough. Is God quickened scriptures and verses to us to hang on to, to anchor into, to catch fire inside of us. Increase the flammable material being put in your life. You, you can't get a fire if you don't have any wood in there, my friend. It has been said that we are biblically illiterate in today's world, in today's church. That's not a slam. What that means is read the Bible. The best version of the Bible church is the one you can read and understand. We have so many versions today, and the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. Whether you read the original languages, hey, I know, I know Greek. He runs a diner. Uh, find a version that you know God is talking to you through and read it. Whether it's King James, and that language is 400 years old, it's accurate, it's beautiful, but some of the language is 400 plus years old. Find something and read it every day. No Bible, no breakfast. Someone once said, oh, you may have to have coffee. Number Turning up the dial. Keep your focus. Get rid of non-flammable material. Continue in your communion, in your prayer, in your relationship with Jesus. Increase the flammable material, the word of God being put in your life. Number five, we read in Psalm 39, verse three, my heart was hot within me. While I was musing, while I was meditating, while I was chewing on the things that I was reading, the fire burned, then I spoke with my tongue. Anyone getting anything out of this this morning? I got a few minutes. I could preach it. No, I'm not going to do it. Number six. Isaiah 58, verse 10. 
if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. I like that. Turning up the heat means we must stretch. If you extend your soul, not simply a knee-jerk reaction to a motivational sermon, but there's something inside that we begin to stretch, that we begin to grow. If you extend your soul to the hungry, if you will stretch yourself to serve and to bless and to reach somebody else, God makes some amazing promises. He says, your light will dawn in the darkness. You will be a light. Jesus already said you're the light of the world. But you will be a light in darkness for someone else. But then he goes, Scott, you know, I, I'm, I got some things happening in my life that I need God to help me. He said, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. That somehow God will bring it back to you. And as you would reach and stretch and become engaged in sharing life and help in Jesus with someone else. Somehow it will come back to you some way, some shape, some form. You notice, my friend, that some of these things that we just spoke of resulted in included outward actions in verbal expressions. You see, when there's a fire, if there's a fire in your neighborhood, you're going to step outside and try to see where it is and what's going on now, aren't you? Fire trucks start coming down the street. Man, I'm looking out the window, going out the front door, you know, Boom. If you get on fire for God, my friend, people are going to take notice of your life. People want to see where the flames are coming from. Church, to be anything less than hot not only means that we're living our Christian life at a subnormal level, but we become a testimony to lukewarm living to other people. People look at us and go, Oh, well, I can go to church and just kind of be halfway, halfway. I can claim to be a Christian and not really be like Jesus at all. I know that. Why am I speaking like this? Because of the context of our nation today. Second Chronicles 7.14, God places the future of a country in the hands of his people. He says, if my people who are called by my name, and then he sets out a pathway. He said, and if you follow this pathway, I will heal their land. You see, I believe my friend, the hope for America is not voting as a left wing or right wing or even a ding-a-ling for that matter, and I'm not sure about that right now. But I believe the future hope of America lies in a red-hot church for Jesus Christ. I am not a, I am not a political man. I am a, simply a preacher of the gospel. And throughout history, God has done amazing things. There was a noontime prayer meeting in 1857 that broke out in New York City that's, that launched a citywide revival. At the turn of the prior century, Atlantic City, I mean, the wicked, uh, a den of iniquity for decades and decades. God moved powerfully, and there were only 50 unconverted adults when the population was 60,000 people. 
God puts the future of a nation in the hands of his people. If we are silent and we are anything less than red hot, we deserve what we get. But I believe that we are at the greatest moment, the greatest hour, the greatest possibility for God doing something than we've seen in a long time and maybe in any of our lifetimes. As I get ready to close, let me give you some of the evidence of living a Christian life with the heat turned up. Number one, you get enhanced communion with your Father. You have the Lord speak to you. As was testified here, the Lord spoke to you. At camp, having the Lord speak to you and prompt you. How many of you want God to talk to you? You have an increased appetite for God and good. When you turn up the heat, you really don't care about the rest of the garbage. The garbage that's playing on TV or in the movie house or whatever, it's like, doesn't matter. You begin to have a greater compassion for other people. As an evangelist, as a missionary to this country, going to the streets, the inner cities, where we'll be on Skid Row in Los Angeles again. We go there time after time throughout the year. That's a small section of downtown LA. That is between three and 6,000 people living on the streets at any one time. The air smells of uh, urine, cheap booze, and sweat. We bring the gospel there, partner with a mission that's been there for 70 years. We go to the urban inner city areas and help churches become alive, reach drug addicts, gang members. I love that kind of a thing. But even the other night, being at, at the night of freedom, and I watch broken people and their lives being touched by Jesus, I now go to bed at night and wake up in the morning with their faces in front of me. Oh, I'm not haunted. But my heart, I see their lives. I see their brokenness. And I'm going, Jesus, you are their only hope. You are the real help for any life, whether you're a drug addict, gang member, tattooed on the back of a Harley and you smell like a sewer, or you're sophisticated, squeaky, clean, and religious with Chanel number five. Jesus Christ is the only true hope for life in our country today. You have a greater compassion for other people when you're living in the boiling point. You get thoughts that are divinely inspired by God. You have some fruit blooming in your life. Galatians 5, and 23 calls them the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The Holy Gift, the Holy Spirit giftings are more prone to operate. You become energized for godly kingdom advancing action and so much more. All this the fruit and evidence of turning up the heat and living with Jesus at the boiling point in your life. Not being satisfied with lukewarm. Life 212. Just want to ask this morning. Early services when you get folks who really are hungry for God or they're busy to get on their day. But I think you guys are hungry for God. You want to get up and get moving. I want to ask you today this very simple question. How many of you here today say, I want to live my life 
at the boiling point at 212 with Jesus Christ. I want to live red hot for Christ. Maybe you're here today and you might need to transact some business with the Lord. Hey, I'm not here to hammer you. I'm here to say, he's ready for you. He said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest and refreshment for your soul. It may not be from work, but it may be the things that you're struggling with on the inside. He said, cast your burden upon me, and I'll care for you. Today you say, I want to live at 212. Would you stand to your feet with me right now? Again, the reason that it, it has never been so clear and apparent that the people of God must be ignited and impassioned to walk with him as never before. In our country, we are blessed beyond measure. You know, there's really... There's really no threat upon our lives if we live for Christ. Oh, some people may not want anything to do with this because we don't drink, party, do porn, do stuff like that. But there's really no threat. It's easy. In some parts of the country, Pastor and I were talking about earlier, he was showing me that great church, Jesus changed my life. And here you wear it. People will look at you funnier. They won't look at you at all. Some parts of the world, you wear a shirt like that, and it could cost you your family. It could cost you your ability to make a living. It could cost you your freedom. It could cost you your life. We are blessed beyond measure in that way. I say we turn up the heat. I say light works best in darkness. Let's be the light of the world to those around us. Let's raise our hands to the Lord right now. I'm going to